When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello, and welcome to the American Patchwork and Quilting Podcast. I'm your host, Lindsay Mayland, and I'm so excited to be here with you. So this episode is part one of two in a topic I'm excited to explore. This week, we'll examine how to overcome your inner critic. And next week, we'll look at how to overcome outer judgment. I think both inner and outer judgment is something humans deal with often in all areas of their life, not just quilting. Although when our quilting comes under attack, it can feel really personal and suck some of the joy away from a hobby we turn to for happiness, friendship, stress relief, and fulfillment. I know that I can take outside criticism really personally sometimes and kind of let those things seep into my brain and my beliefs. And at times, I wish my inner critic was a little kinder to me too. So I hope the next few weeks, as we dive into these topics, they can bring some understanding and peace to those voices you struggle with, whether they're others or your own. First, I want to share a little about the inner critic. So the inner critic comes in the form of nagging and negative thoughts about ourselves. Sometimes they're a fleeting thought, and sometimes it's a statement we repeat to ourselves over and over and can't get out of our head. These thoughts may be telling us we're not good enough, they may cast doubts on our goals, and they diminish our accomplishments. These thoughts may sound like, um, I'm the worst at making flying geese. Why do I even try? Or even though I'd love to join a quilt guild, I'm sure I won't fit in and they won't like me. Or I'll never submit my quilt into a show. People will probably laugh at how bad it is. Have you ever experienced thoughts like this? I know I have. And hearing these things out loud as I said them is horrifying. I would never tell another quilter these things. So why would I tell myself that? Your thoughts greatly influence how you feel and how you behave. So this negative self-talk can be destructive to your feelings of self-worth, your mental health, your willingness to try new things, and how happy and fulfilled you feel in your sewing life. So... How do we calm our inner critic? The first technique to try is to empty your mind of thoughts. You can do this through breathing or meditation exercises. Uh, It might also look like doing a repetitive movement or activity, such as walking, cleaning, or even sewing. Those kind of repetitive activities allow us to get into a flow, clear the mind, and just be in the present. This may also look like stepping away from your sewing room so your thoughts aren't ruminating on your project. 
But if the inner critic is loud, this technique doesn't always work. Another thing to try is treating your inner critic as a separate identity. You know, all those these thoughts seem like they're coming from you. It's important to remember that that inner voice is a thought process that's very different from your real point of view. Some people have luck naming their inner voice with a new name so that it feels like a separate voice when you hear it. And then you can respond to it like a conversation. So for instance, um, if I named my inner critic dummy, when it talks to me, I could respond, um, hey, dummy, I don't need you right now. Why don't you go away? Or, uh, hey, dummy, I think this quilt is beautiful and you're just being mean. Doing this allows your true voice to stand up for yourself and, you know, shine louder than that inner critic. Uh, It does seem silly, but I promise it works. A similar technique involves writing down your negative thoughts. Once you see the thoughts on paper and you can read them back to yourself, they seem out of context, harsh, or even just plain false and might help those thoughts lose their power. If not, you can make a second column next to your thoughts and think hard of a reason why that thought isn't true. So for example, if in column one, my inner critic wrote down the colors you chose for that quilt look bad together, I might respond in column two, actually, these colors bring me joy and were inspired by colors in my garden. I love them. Remember that there's always another side to the story, so don't let your inner critic control the narrative. Sometimes you need to flip the story on its head. And be really conscious of exaggerations, especially words like never and always. Those can hardly be true. Uh, That's a sure sign that your inner critic is coming out. You know, we sometimes make mistakes and we sometimes do things amazing, but we don't only do one or the other. So if you hear yourself using words like never and always, change them to sometimes and then it doesn't seem so bad. You can also enlist the help of friends. Sometimes we can't get our thoughts out of a negative loop on a topic. In that case, uh, call a sewing buddy or maybe post a photo on social media about your thoughts or problems you think you're having with a project. People's responses may contradict your own feelings about it and you'll feel better. Uh, I've seen this in our Facebook groups many times. Uh, Someone will post a picture saying something like, oh, my piecing is so bad on this block, or why did I decide to use this background fabric? It's so icky. And so many comments saying the exact opposite come in. And when there's that much evidence to the contrary, it's hard to let that inner critic voice take hold. And lastly, if you can't silence the inner critic, work with it. In some cases, but definitely not all cases, uh, the inner critic can help us improve our lives. So try to get to the bottom of what your thoughts are really telling you. So for instance, if my thoughts are, uh, my blocks never turn out the right size, I can't even sew straight, the root of the problem uh, could be that you just need to buy a quarter inch foot with a guide for your sewing machine to help you with seam allowance, make it easier, problem solved. Or if my thoughts are, um, I would never enter my quilt in a quilt show, it definitely wouldn't be accepted. 
Uh, maybe the root of the problem is that you're unsure of the process or the expectations, and you could research the guidelines online or talk to a friend who submitted for a quilt show. So turning thoughts into action feels like even a negative comment can create positive steps in our lives. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing a fun way to identify your creative type. Your brain needs support, and new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L theanine, and caffeine, Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y.com. These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Welcome back. I wanted to share a fun quiz I discovered a couple months back. It's the My Creative Type Quiz from Adobe Create. Let me read you the summary from their website about the quiz. It says, the creative types test is an exploration of the many faces of the creative personality. Based in psychological research, the test assesses your basic habits and tendencies, how you think, how you act, how you see the world, to help you better understand who you are as a creative. Answer these 15 questions and you'll gain a deeper understanding of your motivations, plus insight into how to maximize your natural gifts and face your challenges. These personality types aren't black and white labels. Think of them more as signposts pointing you towards your full creative potential. While there's probably one core type that best describes you, you may change type at different points in your life and career, or even at different stages of the creative process. As a creative, you have a little bit of all eight types inside you. So the quiz only takes about five minutes, and it's so fun. Uh, there are actually a lot of visuals that they play throughout the quiz um, as you answer each question that are incredibly striking. Um, so you can take the quiz at mycreativetype.com. We'll link to that in the show notes. Um, so I'm not surprised at all that my creative type is the maker. And here's what they have to say about me. Uh, they say my creative strengths are focus and dedication and the ability to achieve mastery. Uh, they say my untapped potential is taking creative risks and finding joy and play in the process. Uh, and for anyone who's listened to this podcast the last few weeks, you'll know that um, improv and things without a plan really do uh, freak me out. <laughs> They also say that my ideal collaborator is the visionary. So if anyone out there takes the quiz and is a visionary, it seems like we could do great things together. And then they give a longer written synopsis of what my type means. And I'll read a little here because it's so accurate. And I do feel like the maker type could apply to some other quilter. So you might hear yourself in, in these uh, descriptions. Um but I really can't believe how accurate this is to me. And it's really helping me see myself in a new way. So here's the snippet of the maker type. 
One of the hardest workers of all the types, the maker is almost always busy solving problems, making headway on personally meaningful goals, and completing projects. There are few things that bring you more satisfaction than applying your brain power to crafting things and making progress in any form. You tend to excel in design, crafts, architecture, and other fields that blend artistry with business and technology. You're driven by tangible results, and you know how to deliver. A quiet type, you enjoy collaboration, but generally prefer to work alone so you can focus on your own creative process. And there are more insights they share, and you can actually read about all of the types once you're done taking the quiz, which is really fascinating. I love this kind of stuff. So if you take the quiz, uh, please email me your results and tell me if it resonated with you and what your creative type is. Um, I just think these quizzes are a fun way to get insights about yourself and see how you can grow as a creator, you know, without being so serious. So now I'm handing the mic over to Beth for Quilty High Five, where our staff share something they're extra proud of. So take it away, Beth. Hi, Beth here, and I wanted to share a quilting achievement today. I've been learning to long arm quilt over the past year or so, and I recently completed a quilt with a free motion swirl design. I think the biggest roadblock for me in learning to long arm is the fear of failure, of messing up my quilt top and having it turn out ugly. Once I spend so much time making a quilt top, it's hard to use it as practice, but everyone has to start somewhere. I made a relatively easy quilt top and decided that was the one I would work on my swirls. So you can find this pattern, it's called Positive Effect. It's on allpeoplequilt.com. And this one is great because it goes together quickly and there are four sizes you can make. So I figured if I wasn't happy with the quilting when I was done, I could always donate the quilt or gift it to someone. I selected a low contrast thread color so my stitching wouldn't show as much and the mistakes wouldn't be as noticeable. Then I got started quilting. The first bunch of swirls were definitely a little goofy. The spacing wasn't very consistent. They were a little more square than I wanted and I worked my way into corners a few times. But as I got into the groove of quilting, I was able to smooth out the stitching and make more rounded curves, make the spacing more even and figure out my travel path as I went. By the time I got to the last row of the quilt, I actually thought they looked pretty good. In general, I've found that getting a little distance from my quilting makes me like it so much more. So that can be physical distance, standing a little further back, or just maybe taking some time away from it. I had practiced on another smaller table topper and thought it looked awful. I unloaded it from the long arm and stuffed it in a drawer so I wouldn't have to look at it. I uncovered it when I was cleaning recently and I realized the quilting was so much better than I had thought at the time. It takes time to build a new skill and you have to realize it's not going to be perfect right away. So I actually ended up loving the quilt with the swirls on it and now it's in use on our couch. The funny thing is that now when I'm cuddled up in it, I don't see the mistakes at all, just the lovely overall texture of the quilt. Thanks, Beth. Great job learning to long arm. That is so exciting. I think quilters can be hard on themselves, so take time today to give yourself a quilty high five. 
And if you need someone to give you compliments, you know I'm your girl. So you can shoot me an email at apqpodcast at meredith.com and I'll be sure to give you a virtual high five. We're going to take a quick ad break, but when we come back, we're sharing a tip for conquering your UFOs and why you should pack your quilts along while traveling. Welcome back. It's time for UFO Challenge, a segment where I share tips for finishing quilts. So for me, October always starts the beginning of the busy holiday season, and that usually means my UFOs and works in progress start to fall by the wayside. I had this idea recently for my own life that I wanted to share in case it helps others. I have three large quilts I'm working on right now. And I would love to finish them all by the end of the year so I can start the new year fresh and with no lingering to-dos on these projects. Uh, But the problem is I'm getting too busy. I have family coming into town. Um, I'll be traveling for work in the holidays soon. And I have lots of just shopping, baking, get-togethers, you know, before the year ends. Uh, And this causes me some stress because I'm a person who likes to cross things off my to-do list. And if I have quilty projects I can't cross off my to-do list, I'll feel obligated to make time for them when I'm already busy. But I decided to change my mindset a little on these three projects. I changed the finish line for them. So instead of having each quilt quilted and bound by the end of the year, I decided that having the quilt top done was my new finish line and I could be satisfied them, cross them off my list and put them away until I have more time to devote to them. No feelings of guilt. And since I decided that, uh, I have two quilt tops almost done and one quilt with about half the blocks done. So I think I will have all three Uh, tops finished by the end of the year, even as I start to get really busy. And that's a really great feeling. Another reason this works for me is because machine quilting is not my favorite step of the process. Uh, You know, it takes me a really long time to make my quilt sandwich and quilt it. And that's just not where I want to spend my energy this season. And um, it's not necessarily my idea of a fun time during the holidays either. So holding the quilting until next year means I can spend the coldest and snowiest days of winter tackling the quilting and binding, which it almost seems cozy to me, like especially when I have nowhere else to go, the days are dark, it feels nice to cozy up inside and finish some things. And and it takes the pressure off having the space in my house and the time needed during the holidays to machine quilt things. Of course, uh, this doesn't mean I won't make additional progress on these quilts before the end of the year. Uh, It just means I've taken the pressure off of myself to do so. Changing your finish line can mean a lot of things. Uh, Maybe it just means finishing all the blocks before you pack them away. Maybe it means you complete a large number of triangle squares or flying geese units for a project before you set it aside. Maybe it means sending the quilt to a long-arm quilter and you'll worry about the binding when you're less busy. All I know is moving the deadline, even if it's only a deadline I'm making up for myself, uh, felt so freeing. So I hope you try something like this if it seems helpful to you. 
Now we're moving on to Hit the Road, a segment where we share ideas for incorporating quilting into your travels. I recently visited my grandparents in Arkansas. Uh, they live in just the cutest house in the middle of the woods in the mountain in the mountains, and it's such a gorgeous area. So every time I go to visit, I bring a quilt along to photograph. I like sharing my quilts on social media um, and having photos of them just for my own records. And there's only so many photos I can take of my quilts in my living room or backyard before they all start looking the same. So when I travel, I think it's fun to bring a quilt or two along to photograph. Not only do my travels give me access to beautiful scenery that I may not have where I live, uh, but also different indoor decor or outdoor spaces that I'm used to. And that's fun and exciting. Um, I've shot quilts in hotel rooms. Uh, you know, those white linens and large beds make for really polished backgrounds for display of bed quilts and throws. Um, I've shot quilts hanging over railings of cute Airbnb Airbnbs with mountains in the background. Um, I've even taken a quilt to a winery on our travels to shoot in the vineyard. Uh, and sometimes I even bring things to my parents' house when I visit them because they have a brown couch um, and I have a gray couch. So it's just a different type of couch and color to work with my quilts. And while it's nice to get photos of your quilts on your travels, I do think this serves a few more purposes. So it infuses the quilt with memories of your travels. So that quilt has traveled with you. It's been in other locations. It becomes a part of your trip. Your memories looking back on that trip will have the quilt in them. And in turn, when you display that quilt in your home, it serves as a nice reminder of a lovely trip. Quilts can also be comforting while traveling. Uh, I can be a nervous traveler sometimes and have a hard time sleeping away from home, uh, but a quilt is a nice piece of home that you can bring with you. You know, you could sleep with it, snuggle with it, have it in the car next to you. And even if you're in a brand new location and environment, at least you have something familiar you made with your own hands there with you as some sort of protection. And lastly, Quilts can be a great talking point while traveling. Uh, I always love visiting family and friends and showing off my latest quilts when I travel. Um, it's fun to share what I do with them. And when I'm out and about taking photos, or maybe I'm using the quilt to, you know, as a picnic when I'm out, it can spark a conversation with people in the area who see it. And those people may have great recommendations for places to see and things to do while you're in town. Uh, and who knows, you might even meet a fellow, fellow quilter or at least someone who knows where the nearest quilt shop is. <laughs> okay, that's it for today's show. Remember to email me your spooky quilting stories so I can share them on an upcoming Halloween show. Uh, it can be a scary situation, frightful technique you've tried, a quilting fail. I want to hear it. So my email is apqpodcast at meredith.com, and that's listed in the show notes. I cannot wait to hear from all of our listeners. Everyone have a great week.